Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views, we have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, as I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick and gents, we are gathered here today hey. to talk about Big E being WWE champion. It happened at the start of this week, Hamlet, and to be honest, it still hasn't quite sunk in. Yeah, it feels great. Um, we touched upon it, obviously, reviewing Raw, but it was this one thing, and every now and then, WWE stumble upon this one thing, maybe once a year or something, that for whatever reason just pierces that, like, dull, thickening bubble that, like, sort of ensconces the company now. That that's why nobody can get in, because it's, it's impossible to watch so often. It's unwatchable a lot of the time, and yet there will be this one character that you love or this one person behind the character that you love just as much that, effectively, what that belt represents is that they're having the best possible time in their job. They're being acknowledged by Vince McMahon as the best at this or at least somebody that can now go and try and be the best at this, whatever it is. Um, and Biggie was absolutely one of them and has been one for years and years and years and years. Like the nicest guy IRL from everything we've ever seen of him. We've had him on this channel, like putting over I Hear Us Rock, his own show about black history. The New Day's relationship is just so pure and real. And, you know, we got to live through some of that with Kofi Mania, but it's everything else the New Day have ever kind of featured in. Um, and it just... Speaking strictly analytically, it was overdue in terms of what a great mm. all-rounder he is as well. He'd long had the fundamentals down mm. pat, um, but he also had seemingly everything else that Vince McMahon would ever want from his top guy, and yet was never permitted to ascend for a variety of different reasons, you know, systemic failings mostly. Um, and yeah, it's just, I feel like, and we are recording this before his first edition of Raw, as WWE champion, where he will almost certainly be the first out to welcome everybody to the show. Like, I want to believe that the feeling won't wear off as quick as it would have done for others because of just how special him winning it was. I, I really, like, and I'm saying that earnestly, I want to believe this will last longer than just a week mm. because he, he's that great. Yeah, I will say as well, we're recording this before SmackDown, just in case. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what could possibly happen, but I always have to caveat this. Uh, Siege, we're often described as being quite cynical WWE fans uh, on these podcasts, but that was a moment that we all collectively just really enjoyed. And, you know, he called his shot from the beginning. It was just a, a great story to be told as well. Oh, I don't think it was a great story. <laughs> I, was happy, I was happy in spite of it. Ultimately, what's happened is that a... Professional wrestler was positioned as a babyface. He called a shot after a match. His opponent was always going to be, at the very least, taken off guard in the kayfabe parameters of the storyline, yeah, if you yeah, want to be yeah. boring about it. His opponent had been taken off guard because he hadn't prepared for his opponent that night. Happily, being WWE, that's a level playing field because no one knows <laughs> who they're going to wrestle on any given night. 
The fact that he called a shot after a match meant that he was going to be at the very least weakened. Bobby Lashley, his opponent, that is. And in the process, and this is one tiny little workaround that they kind of took the piss with and that they protected Lashley, and it didn't make Big E look like, bad for targeting the knee that apparently buckled when Bobby Lashley blasted Randy Orton through a table, but Big E would have been pretty dumb not to do that, but then the booking was kind of bu- yeah, yeah, yeah. dumb, and it made him look a little bit opportunistic, shall we say. Who cares? Big E's been due this for years and years and years. It's, he's an entertainment machine who can go, who's thoroughly likable, who fits the WWE mold. This is long overdue. A thought struck me, you know, how much WWE's in the mud. And I'm not just saying this for the sake of it because it's Sidgwick Talks, a WWE podcast. It will feed in to some of the discussion points yeah. we've agreed upon beforehand. What strikes me about this development and, in fact, the last one or two years of um, the WWE and Universal title lineages is that, for years, WWE tend to strap up men who move numbers and live gates and merchandise, otherwise they wouldn't have bothered, with the exception of Jinder Mahal. But fan uh, wrestlers who, a lot of fans who cared the most, were very much bored by and unmoved by, like, lived through Hamlet and I, various listeners, Triple H, John Cena, Randy Orton, their utter stranglehold on it. Then they would strap up a Brock Lesnar, a Roman Reigns when fans weren't ready to accept them. Universal champion is Roman Reigns. Fans are big into the character, He's a superstar. Big E deserves this moment. Drew McIntyre deserved his because he was really getting over. This has gone under-discussed because so much of WWE does. It's actually kind of a meritocracy now Mm. at the top of the main event. Lashley worked his way up. And Lashley really did get over as well. He showed such incredible intensity. So if you look at the last three to four to five WWE and Universal Champions over the past 18 months... It's a meritocracy now. It's not. None of them feel like an imposition or an insult mm. to what the hardcore fan, quote-unquote, thinks. They are actually trying, on some level, to actually react in accordance with what fans are telling them to do. Um, so that can't go unmentioned. Cynical and as heel energy-like as these circumstances were. Yeah, we'll talk more about the, how this affects potentially the future of WWE in particular, Monday Night Raw in due course. But it was sort of surreal as well, because like you said, he called his shot. He tweeted about it before the show even happened. They were all over social media promoting this fact. He announced it at the start of the show. And still, when the bell rang to confirm Bobby Lashley is retaining his WWE Championship against Randy Orton, when his music hit, the roof came off the place. It wasn't a surprise, and yet, you know... It was such a thrilling, uh, expectant moment that you still got that reaction. How does this compare in sort of best cash-ins ever for you, Sige? There's a few that are up there, aren't they? And they're, they're, they're up there for different reasons. You've got, you know, the, the anticipation, let's say, of a, a Dolph Ziggler and the night after WrestleMania. You've got the surprise of a Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. And then you've got things like this. Yeah, it's up there. It's definitely up there. And as I said, I don't want to bore people senseless with the same take, especially when it just feels like I'm being a miserable bastard for the sake of it. If you look at that sea of faces, if you listened to how hot they were and how euphoric they were that this moment had finally arrived for a terrific professional wrestler, that deserved it. I mean, the feeling counts for everything in wrestling. It certainly counts more than like logic gaps or whatever. Over's over. Um... Yeah, it's already up with the all-time ones. The Edge one was tremendous Mm -hmm. because it genuinely broke ground. People didn't think anytime, anywhere meant the perfect time for a heel to capitalize. That will never be defeated. The fact that they've chased that dragon for so many years is just (laughs) totally made an already not great creative process even lazier. Um, Ziggler's hasn't stood the test of time for me. That title wasn't the most meaningful on the brand already by 2013, I think it was. Mm. Like the pop is immortal, but the run was a bit rubbish and Ziggler didn't really have the stuff. So that, for me, has waned. Um, time will tell whether Big E... He has the stuff, it's just whether he's allowed to strut it. Um, but yeah, in terms of the feeling generated, it's up there with the most momentous cash-ins. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I really like the... Uh, I love the mini-match ones. I was there in person for the Miz... 
Dolph Ziggler was much the same against Alberto Del Rio. I love that. What they can do, obviously you can have a heel come in and it can just last six seconds. And a baby face as well. They've done it both ways. Mm -hmm. But I love the short match because it's this total free hit at getting to play with audience anxiety because heel or babyface, in the case of Ziggler and Big E, was something the audience desperately, desperately wanted and craved out of these specific characters. But even, like I say, with when it was The Miz against Randy Orton, because typically somebody with a briefcase is has never held the belt before. Not always, but a lot of the time they've never held the belt before. So you're seeing somebody about to have the shiny moment of their career. And what Money in the Bank is still super effective with, and it's such a... Even when it's been bastardised, it's such a great concept in front of live crowds because as a live crowd, people want to be part of history and people want to see the title change. It could be a favourite wrestler trying to defend it against this total like sort of figure of hatred, but you still want to see the change because you want to say that you were there, you want to be like sort of present for the history. And I thought they nailed it with the Big E one because he was somebody winning the title for the first time. Um, to sort of echo Sidgwick's point, I don't think they laboured on him targeting the leg as a heel thing. It was just you'd be daft not to because of all the kind of build-up that he'd, he'd give him Bobby Lashley. Like, maybe what they'll play is, well, Bobby Lashley shouldn't have been so overzealous in his attack of Randy Orton because he knew Big E was coming next. You know, they can make this sort of, if you weren't such an arsehole, you wouldn't have put yourself in such bother. You know, they can genuinely flip that. Um, so, yeah, I would put it way up there. They've got to be, if anything, out behooves them to try and think of ways to keep, um, keep this interesting because... I felt money in the bank of the pay-per-view over the last few years. The excitement for that was on the wane mm -hmm. because they were getting less creative with the cash-ins. And it was like, well, yes, I know the briefcase means a free hit at the belt, but like that's not as fun as it used to be. So the pay-per-view itself isn't. Big E's win this year will make next year's pay-per-view more exciting. Yep. And that's where, like, that's investment. They're kind of keeping what they've considered now, their fifth of five big pay-per-views. They're keeping that hot because the big E cashing was so good. Yeah, I was going to want to talk more about Money in the Bank in due course, actually, uh, and the future of that, because there was a lot of speculation swimming around uh, around it prior to this. Um, let's initially, though, talk future opponents. One would assume that at Extreme Rules next weekend, you probably run it back with Bobby Lashley and Big E. Uh, we're in, what, mid-September now. We've got Extreme Rules. We've got the Saudi show. We've got uh, whatever we've got in end of October. And then we've got Survivor Series and whatever that may bring. Who else would you like to see him face? Uh, or do you think would, would, would be good? Because, of course, we've got the draft in October as well. The draft is ideal because if this isn't uh, Big E's formal move over to Raw the draft will formalise it. I'm assuming it will because he's got their belt, but we have had situations where there's been two champions and jiggery poker in that, but I would expect him to move to Raw now or at the draft at the absolute latest. The big one for me is Drew McIntyre. Um, WWE came up with quite a good way of uh, keeping Drew out of Bobby Lashley's business and really keeping him out of the WWE title picture. But if you're Drew McIntyre, and we've seen with this character what they've done is they've either beaten him or they've had him almost like veer towards turning heel because he's getting so frustrated with his lot, Surely the first thing that Drew would be wanting to do, he'd be like checking his watch for next Monday's Raw so he can come out and be like, hello, I'll have my shot. I've been getting, like, I effectively got cheated out of this because the last match he had against Bobby, he was screwed. And it's like, it's never really been fair to him. It wouldn't even be that whiny for him as his last act as a babyface on Raw to want a shot. And it would certainly behoove Big E to be like, yep, yeah, I will absolutely give you that shot. Like, I'm going to be a virtuous WWE champion. I wouldn't freeze you out like the last guy did. We'll have a match. And Big E goes over. Drew was made by the pandemic title run. For the better and worse of some of that, he was a made man after it. So I think that'll be tremendous as a win for Big E. And you, by drafting Drew straight to SmackDown, you kind of erase memory of that loss as well. So it's a win-win. There's nobody's damaged by him fighting and beating Drew McIntyre straight away. And then because we're so close, um, you can always play with the Survivor Series form. Um, they've done it previously. I think it was Brock and Ray a couple of years ago. That wasn't champion versus champion. There was just a cool match that you could do at the pay-per-view. Do the six-man. Get the tag belts on Kofi and Xavier Woods and do the Bloodline versus the New Day because not only does that allow you to have, um, if you want to beat Roman's lot, you don't have to pin Roman Reigns. If you want to beat the New Day, you don't have to beat Big E. Those champion versus champion matches aren't always ideal because somebody's got to lose. Um, it was Drew last year. He probably didn't need that defeat against Roman Reigns when he got it. And who wouldn't want to watch that six-month? That'd probably bang as well. Like, the crowd would be majorly, majorly up for it. There's no... Um, they've given up on uh, 
He was uh, Jimmy Uso playing the long game. Mm. I remember that. Yeah, he's not now. He's not. They're just they're just they're just Roman's heavies. They're just his goons, right? That's all there is to that. So proper heels, proper baby faces, and a conclusive result. I think they'd be mad not to go with that as their champion versus champion six man. The problem with playing the game of process of elimination of potential contenders for Big E's new WWE title is that there's loads of people on Raw and almost all of them are dead. <laughs> so, uh, it's like, who would be a great opponent for him? Several. The roster's immensely talented. Who's credible enough? Sheamus had a great series with him on SmackDown. Yeah. But, yeah, like you say. I mean, he did. And there's always the concept of failing upwards that they could draw upon. Um, as the autumn becomes winter and the months get colder and they don't give that much of a toss until Royal Rumble because Big E versus Sheamus, to me, you have to require... Sheamus has lost endless amounts of matches to Damian Priest and that doesn't mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. Ne- they never did the big slapjack match. They never, <laughs> they never did that. Like, who is there other than Drew? Who is there? Like, Drew versus Big E would be a class... Is the match that Big E famously wants. Big beefy men slap meat. Mm. Like a real power based battle. They'd beat the piss out of each other. Be enormously entertaining. I think if fans aren't begging to uh, boo Drew McIntyre, they certainly aren't inclined to. Oh, I need to sneeze and it's pissing me off. You know, <laughs> you know when it's like yeah. there. Oh, I love a sneeze, by the way. But in the interim, I think like. What they what would work? Or certainly, they need to do some sort of incident where he's walking backstage. If he retains, we're assuming against uh, Bobby. Let's say Extreme Rules. I mean, just the moment if as he walks backstage past Goldberg, who's there to fight Bobby Lashley, obviously, which is going to be a non-title match anyway. Yeah, like that's a given. You don't have to. We don't have to do the match, but give me the memes. You least. don't care about work, right? You'll know what they'll probably do, and I don't want them to do. They'll probably scupper this by just, oh, here it is on Raw, and you're thinking, oh, with a bit of build, you could actually make that really good on pay-per-view. AJ Styles is the perfect utility player. Ooh. Every now and then, he can... His best days are behind him, but every now and then, he can work a total banger that makes you think he's still got this in him when he wants to turn it on. And with Omos as the equaliser in his corner, that adds doubt over the outcome of... Look, if you're going to strap somebody up, the idea is, well, he's not a transitional champion... The first defense is always really tricky. The best thing you can do is make sure it's a great match so that fans are on board, particularly if it's a baby face. And then in Amos, he distracts everyone. His mere presence distracts Matt Riddle, but then again, uh, a fly <laughs> distract Matt Riddle. You know what I mean? But having Amos in the corner in the parameters of the storyline would make people think, oh, maybe it's not going to be that uh, easy to get past this first challenger, which is always carries an obligatory quality that wrestling will never get past because it's just part of the problem with relentless 52-week endless TV. But AJ Styles versus Big E would genuinely be a class match. Like, cunning, crafty AJ Styles evading all that power-based offense could genuinely be really fun. He can work a great match with anyone. AJ Styles is legitimately really funny, whether he wants to or not. (laughs) <laughs> like legit, but he sometimes he's just a figure of fun because he's such an absolute idiot. But he's got good comedic timing, and they could build a genuinely quite entertaining uh, pay per view match through television. Big E's got really um, like an underrated speed game. The New Day would use it for hot tags, obviously. But if he can, like, if his fire up is that like that last stretch, and obviously AJ is somebody that can keep pace with him. That gets pretty electrifying by the end, doesn't it? Like the sort of the competitive spots between the two. Like, I yeah, I could totally, totally see that. Yeah, put inside. We'll probably do it twelve minutes on Raw, like in two weeks' time. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm just gonna have a, a dream match scenario here. But like putting aside all this stuff that we've had, could we see someone who's like st- not Sami Zayn was the name that leapt into my head then? But we've seen quite a lot of Big E versus Sami Zayn. But could we see that? Could they potentially just, you know, pitch something along those lines? What? Like literally Sami Zayn to want to fight for the title or just S- uh, someone someone of Sami Zayn's ilk that often we'd say we'd love to see in there, but you know, there's more likelihood of like a carry and cross getting a title hmm. shot. For oh, example. I hadn't thought I, I never think about him. I, <laughs> I try not to. 
I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but I forget Karen Cross exists. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the thing Sami Zayn is sort of a tricky example because he can like really turn it on if he wants to. Like he can play a cowardly heel and he can do all the fun stuff, but like it's Sami Zayn, you know. Um, WWE have a would have like a line of fairly bland cowardly heels lined up and ready to go that would probably work quite well against Big E because he is so charismatic that he would get the match over. The problem is and it's something like Cedric's mentioned there with the AJ match, is that how does that snivelling runt get an advantage in the first place? So you would need, in AJ's case, you might need an Omos. But all of these, like, you're talking really about taking lifting somebody from, like, the 24-7 loser crew, yeah. like, to challenge him. Like, how are they getting an advantage against Big E in the first place? So a lot of the match can work, but I think there's got to be a few more bells and whistles to even give them a fighting chance. And to sort of build on Cedric's point about their... The, the quality they're trying to establish if you're fighting for the title, it can't look low rent. It can't feel like... Bobby Lashley wasn't fighting anybody that didn't feel like they deserved a go at it. And I just... I think at this point it would be a huge step back just because Big E can. Like, don't put him in there with the rank and file. Make the matches... Because he's new at this as well. We've seen this with WWE champions. You know, like, to sort of keep it relevant to sort of Big E in the new day. We saw it with Kofi Kingston when he was getting lined up with, oh, oh great, the fourth match against Dolph Ziggler. You know, like, oh, Samojo's lost a match, and now he gets to fight Kofi Kingston for no good reason, does he? That was the sign that, like... What a 10-minute Raw match that was. Yeah, Jesus like, oh, you got your moment at WrestleMania, but that's all this is. Like, with the, nothing that Kofi Kingston's ever going to do is going to main event a pay-per-view, and we're only going to put him on last on SmackDown because he's going to lose in seconds to Brock Lesnar. Don't do the same to Big E by making his feuds immediately feel mid card mm. you know? Like, give, it, give him something that feels like it might headline a pay-per-view. And before we move on, we should... Try and at least rule out, put it out there. We don't want to see a new day split and, you know, heal Xavier Woods or heal Kofi Kingston, as some people have suggested in our news questions, going up. Like, that we've seen it before. The new day can still coexist, use the WWE word, coexist, despite the fact that one of them's a world champion and the others can be doing tag team stuff, as Hamlet suggested with the, the Survivor Series stuff. It drives me insane when I see certain, and not many, but there's enough for me to get pissed off. It doesn't really take much, to be fair. <laughs> but, like, when people say, oh, can one of them turn heel? Like, that's Russo brain stuff. I'm sorry, like, I don't want to directly, personally attack someone who has that. But, like, I don't understand how you can watch the post-match of WrestleMania 35, the post-match of Big E's cash-in, and not think these three men, whether they are on the same brand or whether they're in an actual trio, they should never be apart. Or like, they could all turn heel together, I guess. But they should always be together yes. in some way. It's a really wonderful long-term storyline. And the more you do it, and the more you know deep down they are amazingly great friends together. So it wouldn't be convincing. They would all be miscast. They probably wouldn't want to do it. And if you don't want to do something, that's when it's transparently bad because there's no passion or love behind it. I wouldn't buy it mm, for no. a start. I don't want to boo Xavier Woods ever. I don't want to boo Biggie ever. Kofi Kingston, and he, I think legitimately, has got a bit of a heel run in him at some point. The best one when the New Day were heels. Yeah. There was, there was he was like, the, the more he smiled, the more you were like, that is brilliant. Yeah. So that is absolutely brilliant. Kofi Kingston is a good heel. Um, but still, at this stage of the game, like, these three men together have been so, and it's too quietly, but quietly instrumental in making any of this watchable over the past five years. They've transcended the worst WWE material. They've been given it, and they haven't completely died as a unit in the aftermath. I wouldn't take their feud seriously. It would be conflict for conflict's sake. And it'd be one of those things that would just make me feel legitimately sad. WWE.com recently, didn't they, did that um, best tag teams ever thing? And, you know, we, you know, we know lists and there's plenty, there's always ones going around that people fight over and disagree with and wrestling can be the subjective and really contentious thing. Nobody really fought that the Big E were number one. Nobody fought that. You can have your opinion. They're like this tag team more than this tag team, but there's a billion reasons why you absolutely could justify the New Day at number one. And let's not beat around the bush with the New Day as well because we also saw it with the Shield. It has probably taken the three of them being together to reach the point that the New Day are still together. They got together in 2014. Look at the journey that they've gone on as characters to reach the point they are at now and have been at various other points. They've needed each other 
behind the scenes as much as we've got to enjoy their relationship in front of the cameras. Look at what happened. And The Shield have all spoken on it separately when they were split. And they did want it, and they all believed they could go and become solo stars, and they all have. But look at what The Shield had in terms of being on-screen characters that were credible because it was three versus Vince McMahon, and it was three talking him down and getting through what they wanted to get through versus all the troubles that individually they face to single stars when they're trying to fight their battle when it's just them. You know, would like the Shield didn't even have riot shields on night one because they had enough as newcomers to be like, should we not have these? Dean Ambrose on his own wore a gas mask. You know, like imagine the power that New Day would lose if they weren't all three always fighting for each other. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Looking ahead, and fingers crossed, we'll get to Survivor Series with... um, Big E as, as WWE champion and get that fantastic bloodline versus New Day match. You know, that's a contest that we've wanted to see Big E versus Roman Reigns. But Roman also has this huge question mark in his future if it's not Brock Lesnar, Michael Sidgwick, in Saudi Arabia in a very <laughs> short amount of time as to who unseats him as universal champion. And I think Big E, a lot of people, when he won the briefcase, for example, said he's going to cash in on Raw. He's going to cash in on the WWE Championship just because... It makes a better storyline. There's more sense, obviously, with Lashley being there and him and, and Kofi and Xavier and that relationship and what have you. But there was always that question mark, and obviously he was teasing it on, on SmackDown telly as well. Now that that's out of the way, there's a big, big question mark as to who beats Roman Reigns now, isn't there? Like, the biggest question mark. It's WWE, potentially here, could have um, a Brock Lesnar-type reign for a guy that works every week, which is quite remarkable. You know, the Brock Lesnar numbers are fudged by the fact that he would show up once every three to four months. And, like, he was such a big star that he kind of carried that off anyway. It never felt like, yes, he was an absentee champion, but, it, like, it really did feel like climbing the mountain if you were going to beat Brock Lesnar for that belt. Um, I'd say ride it out and try and learn a book again so you find a baby face. Don't... Like, I would have loved Big E to have cashed in on Roman if that was going to be... Because I think it would have made him... Probably even more than this run will make him. Somebody's going to beat Roman Reigns that belt, and it's going to be enormous. Um, but I, I don't think that's a problem for now. This Roman character is so incredibly hot as a heel. Um, they have found a way, and I genuinely think it's to their credit. I've said this before. I think they've done a really good job of finding B-show opponents for him, and I have a feeling that they will continue to do that. WrestleMania was a big moment. When he stacked up Edge and Daniel Bryan, that was this moment of they're going with him until you absolutely feel it in your bones that a guy can beat him and not a moment sooner. We could be looking at a heel equivalent of the Backland San Martino runs two, three, four years because even when you fantasy book The Rock, let's say, is this grand destination in a couple of WrestleMania's time, Rock's not going to beat him for the belt, is he? The whole point of that is for Roman to beat that. So it's not even him, you know. The day will come when it will feel right and I wouldn't do it a second sooner. Before I get your thoughts on who you think might could, could be or your reaction to that. Brock. Well, if it's not... I, which scares the shit out of me, but, like, you know, I hope not. Do you think, yeah, so you think Brock potentially could be the guy to beat Roman? I think Brock squashes him in Saudi Arabia. Proper, uh, cliched, 
Paul Heyman booking. A little bit of back. But I'll, I'll go fiend tears on main if uh, he squashes Roman. So I'll be <laughs> I'll be as devastated as Pete were with Goldberg and the fiend. I think Brock squashes Roman in Saudi Arabia. Shock. Paul Heyman booking, which Vince McMahon. There's one thing he loves more than Roman. It's Brock. You'll love the engagement of that. You'll absolutely love the engagement and the metrics and the the tears of the marks. Essentially, that's what he loves. So he's been licking for the past three, <laughs> four decades. But they will at some point give it back to Roman. Hopefully he won't lose too much. It'd be funny for some of the mutants on Twitter if he does. I don't really talk about mutants anymore, but some of them really are just dickheads. <laughs> Honestly, the way this run is unfolding, the way that WWE is struggling to build any baby faces, but the way that the system as it currently runs, and it barely does, books and promotes and presents baby faces... I'm thinking you're looking genuinely like a Braun Breaker. Someone who they actually want to push in that developmental system or Gable Stevenson or legitimately, I couldn't... Anyone existing on that roster right now, Big E was the only full-time guy that I think they saw something in or enough in him to beat Roman. I look at that entire roster and I see no one that they think is good enough other than Brock and he could go Brock... Uh, literally miss everyone on the main roster. All of them, they don't see on Roman's level at all. Brock, knee one. Let's have a look at these beefy lads on NXT and see if they've got anything. The high on one of the Creed brothers, I forget the name. Julius. Julius Creed, Bron Breaker. Tony D'Angelo. No, but I like the excuse for the Von Wagner. Von Wagner. See, they see something in him. Do you know what? It's it's funny because you're like everybody else underneath Brock, has got that Ted DiBiossi Jr. ends the streak energy about being Roman. Yeah. So who ended the streak? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, it's, right. it's going to be Brock. It's it'll, be, it'll be a funny day on Twitter, man. Do you know what? Yeah. Throw your one out of life. <laughs> I got an interesting suggestion when I when we sort of raised this in the immediate aftermath from Adam Cleary, who, when I said, well, who beats Roman Reigns now? He said, Big E. And what he said, the suggestion there is, you know, you give E a good title reign, maybe re, maybe he drops it at WrestleMania or whatever it is. Let's envisage that E is facing whoever, in the words of Justin Roberts, <laughs> right? Stop making this a thing. It's already a thing. You can tell <laughs> you, we know it's a thing now. Oh so E's facing someone to drop the title to after a decent reign, you know, what? Oh, you know, like six, six seven months mm. sort, of, sort of reign. Drops out of WrestleMania. At that mania, you also get dream booking. Rock versus Roman. Roman beats him, and you're like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Who stops Roman now? And maybe he hasn't been squashed in Brock by Rock in this scenario. And then, because I've always said, if you're going to drop the title, if Roman's going to drop the title, it's either obviously out of WrestleMania, that makes sense, or SummerSlam, because maybe, just maybe, I'm dreaming here for once, we can have some LTST, and it'd be like two years on from when he came back as this brilliant teethed badass <laughs> and yeah you build E up as you know he was a champion on the other brand or whatever you want to do is that feasible it's a nice story but it is entirely dependent on this like it takes the first thing to make the second thing yes yeah, yeah. um <laughs> i waited five years for them to get bailey and sasha right that's how long that took because the company is broken um the story makes perfect sense the problem is is if over the next six to eight months that Biggie has this title, he is not perceived by Vince McMahon to be a tippy-tappy guy. Because that's all it ever is. It's always about like getting into that upper echelon. It's not even smashing the glass ceiling because there's another ceiling above it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's honestly not. It's like Europa League, Champions League. And so few people get in those top, top spots. And it's how Biggie does now as to whether or not... If he, if he becomes a champion that like is good in the Europa League spots and then loses his belt, that's all he'll ever be. And there's a thousand examples of like guys we've had in the past where like you see them win the belt and it should feel so wonderful but then you, you feel halfway through the rain ah oh, but it's not it's not forever this it's just for now so just enjoy it for now um it's whether or not he breaks through with that if he's that absolutely because it's not anything to do with his first title reign it's to do with how he was perceived as champion when he had it and Vince McMahon can see it and then it's like yeah I could see him beating Roman Reigns like absolutely I could Sadly, it won't be because of that very nice story. It'll just be because, well, he's in his orbit now. Mm. And anyone, ultimately, like, and that's why I think, like, Cedric's point is so spot on about you go to a Bron Breaker. If he sees Bron Breaker in that orbit, then it doesn't matter what's happened before. He just sees him in that tier. And he's like, well, yeah, he can beat him because he's on his level. 
It doesn't Maybe matter. Maybe it'll be Keith Lee because he'll have forgotten about what Keith Lee looked like before. <laughs> I just, like, maybe that was the benefit of the Carrying Cross mask is that he'd forgotten that he was the same guy that lost to Jeff Hardy. <laughs> you know? But that's the reality, I think, is that Vince has always looked at it as like, Punk had this exact same thing. Punk was never going to main event WrestleMania as much as he wanted it, as much as he fought for the, the triple threat against The Rock because it's like, you're not above that dashed line that's got John Cena and Rock in it. You're yeah. below it. So that's it. It's, a, it's as simple as that with him. Yeah, you can't... Uh, if he sets the world on fire, Christ almighty, I really hope he does. In three weeks, he might be doing rubbish gags on the Tron that even he can't get over. And I do actually have a I little... I did not write that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not write that. I legitimately think he's got the ability to transcend the rubbish and get it over through force of will. McIntyre had a little bit about him where he kind of did the... Uh, Vince is telling me to do this. I think it's a bit lame, guys. But, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I have to do it. You know this. He tread that line very well, and then just the gears of Raw. Let's call it not the gears of Raw. <laughs> the gears of Raw trample over everyone, even McIntyre, after a few months of, like, Jesus Christ, he's actually doing well as a babyface during a pandemic. But then the gears of Raw will trample over everyone to the point where it's like, Oh, you're trying your best, but I guess your best wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this to the end, but we might as well discuss it now in terms of, I often ask this question of you two, and I realize there is no quick fix here about saving Monday Night Raw. It's a three-hour show. I love this gimmick. But <laughs> it's a bullet point. So if, if we do this for 15 years <laughs> solidly and never screw up, then it might stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but... In terms of the fact that the WWE champion is the figurehead right now of the red brand, he could go a long way to to improving what has been a dire show for a long time, Sige. Drew McIntyre, people like Drew McIntyre a lot. Quite a lot, actually, during the performance center, and they're still rubbish underneath. You can't make rubbish smell nice. You just can't do it. Chicken, chicken salad sort of stuff. Yeah, you can't do it. Like, no top one guy can do it. No writer who they bring in. and They've probably amassed a rotating cast of 300 writers at this point. At least easy 300. None of them made a difference. None of them made a difference. Vincent Mann gets worse the older he gets. Um, The best we can hope for... He's not saving WWE. No one's saving WWE. Even when Vince McMahon... Goes away. Nicely done. It's still too big now. It's too corporate now. It's too public now to ever get someone like a Triple H figure or someone who knows wrestling to be in that top spot. It's just the scripted model. It's what they've sold rights fees with. It's never going to not be WWE again. It's either Disney, WWE, or Vince, WWE. They're both going to be the same thing. No one can save it or make it what it was. The best you can hope for with Big E, and I think he's arguably better positioned than McIntyre for this role, is he can, through his wonderful personality, his kind of easygoing disposition, he can make this seem, at least when he's on telly, he's got no jurisdiction over the rubbish. When he's on TV... And because he's the WWE champion, he'll be on it a lot. He will make it seem more tolerable by being able to transcend the rubbish. That is the absolute best he can hope for. Like, even, like SmackDown sucks, man. Roman Reigns on SmackDown, mostly very, very good. Even though his handful points out, he can poke holes a la worth the stuff. Jimmy Uso, mole. Not happening. Like, it's rubbish. But eight times out of ten, Roman's very good. SmackDown still sucks. Big E could be babyface Roman. That's his ceiling. Now it's getting saved. Accept the next bullet point in your drafts for when your next preview of a podcast. The, the, the reason I say this, yeah, is I realize that he's not going to be the catalyst that makes them go, you know, we'll go back to two-hour Monday Night Raw <laughs> and just rip up this, you know, scripted promo bollocks and just let people have at it. But as Sid alludes to, Hamlet, it's about making some of the stuff that they forced the champions got there to do and say palatable. But also, I'm thinking of the 
you know, the, the appearances that they have. And I don't know if that, you know, happens as much anymore. And obviously it hasn't happened a lot for the, the time period, most of the time period that Drew was champion. But example, you put like a, a biggie on a, a Jimmy Kimmel or whatever it may be, Jimmy Fallon or whatever, like that's got to count for something as well. Like you say, they're just that instantly infectious persona has got to count for something too. He'll be awesome at that. And he'll be like such a good representative. He'll be so good um, that it'll almost be too big a lie. Like WWE will look like such a better company and a better product with him on that circuit. Um, he's just the most affable fella. And yeah, whether it's like getting memed through that podcast that, that we all just piss ourselves at every time you watch it about big meaty men slapping meat or when he wants to get serious about the issues that matter to him. Like, he is brilliant in every arena, and I have no doubt that he's going to be fantastic at that. And it will go a long way. We'll do it. That will go quite a long way. Like, they've always talked about, like, The Miz was prepared to take on the John Cena schedule, and he was prepared to say yes to everything because he knew that that was how you, you got it done. So I think Big E will be fantastic at that. But, yeah, it's you don't save Monday Night Raw or WWE soul with that because it is, it's beyond it, and especially on Raw. SmackDown is rubbish, but it, it Raw's, wor- Raw's worse. And the thing about Raw is, and I'm going to invoke AEW here, and I know people won't like that. Um, on the most recent episode of Dynamite, they set up Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, and it is like one of the pro wrestling dream matches, a, c- a contemporary like dream match. And fans were so elated at the sight of this, not A or B, not wrestler A or wrestler B, at the sight of this, they chanted AEW. AW, AW. That is never Big E has this great title match. Nobody is gonna go raw, raw, raw. What happens when something gets over on Raw is that dickheads like us sit around a table and go, Thank Christ for this over three hours. Thank God for the hurt business. You know? Like, thank God for the crowd reactions to RK Bro, even if like I don't like either of the members individually. Like the and now thank God for Big E, WWE champion. That's yeah. what that's what that act is on Raw is like oh, we've got this. For five minutes, we've got this, because in a minute, it's Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, or whatever the thing is that's the worst thing at the time. Um, yeah, the Raw chants are never going to happen. The WWE chants are impossible from a cadence point of view because the company initials are stupid. <laughs> like, we're all Kurt Angle. Um, double, double E. Double, <laughs> double, double E. E. <laughs> like, uh, imagine if it was like, double, double, F and E. Like, uh, <laughs> like yeah. It gets the F out, wise guy. <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. Like, there's no saving it. That's uh, Tony the end. <laughs> <laughs> there's just no saving it. Um, I hope they change his name just so I can say that on the NXT Review podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I saw King Claire was a bit of a bad comparison, so he's now going to be like Tony... I don't know. The Amarto. Yeah. That's Tony the Angel. <laughs> Tony Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. Tony Pizza. Um, aye, it's just, there's no saving it. So he now gets to be the thing that you're like glad to watch over like in, in between two hours and 45 minutes of sadness and regret. You get a bit of biggie. Nevertheless, to some extent, we may actually be invested to, in brand warfare this year if we're getting the Usos, or the, the Bloodline, sorry, versus New Day. It's so weird. They box themselves off in a, such a difficult situation with this bloody Raw and SmackDown thing. Like, you just go back to the old Survivor Series, like, and you have a chance of having heels and baby faces fighting each other again instead of this stupid principle. They literally have a five-on-five on, five on SmackDown just the other week. Yeah, like, it's, they create problems themselves with Raw versus SmackDown. But try, when you can, to switch the belts at the right time so you can get some good matches. Like, who gives a toss about the Raw Tag Team titles? I know RK Bro are over, but who really gives a sh- if they've got the belts or not? Put them on the New Day for the benefit of this match because if you absolutely must do Raw versus SmackDown, find the good combinations out of that, you know? The top titles are the only ones that people care about anyway. Like, imagine if there was a really cool champion versus champion match in the mid-card. It's like, yeah, but that means, like, dethroning Damien Priest. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> just do that then. I just I make a good match out of this while you can. Final question then, because we, we sort of have touched on this earlier about money in the bank, and and some people suggesting that maybe to the time possibly he's come to re- retire money in the bank to a certain extent, whether or not it works anymore. Like you say, they've they've been through so many different permutations of that briefcase. Now I'm biased. You know my love for money in the bank. It's probably one of my top four WWE pay per views of the year. They're getting rid of one of the big four without question. Um, because, and I love 
the possibilities of it all. And and if it felt nice this year for once to not have burnt through all the briefcases by June for once. But what do you think? Should WWE get rid of money in the bank or is it just a case of making it work uh, far more feasibly than, than what we've seen recently and, and maybe utilising this dynamic of babyface slash heel holding the briefcase? So I'm trying not to say this based on the recency bias of us just seeing a really good one. Um, and I want to use a better example than just taking Sidgwick's terminology of me being an occasional goldfish brain. So I'm going to do something that appeals to you. I think what Money in the Bank is every now and then is the men in black yeah. red flash in the face. You forget the bad ones. You forget that this might not make any sense because it can and often is extremely effective if only for a split second. It's probably one of the few times that the goldfish brain mentality works for WWE because in front of a live crowd, it's like really hot. Like the atmosphere gets like very exciting and very electrifying. And again, the, chan- the chance, as I was saying before, the chance of seeing some history or the chance of seeing something that feels momentous, even if it's not. Like Nikki A.S.H. is a ludicrous character that has already been exposed, like warts and all, after what, like six weeks or something? Mm-hmm, yeah. But like the fans went wild for that cash in because it just, it was novelty in a, in a moment. And she got to say welcome on Monday Night Raw the next week. I always think it's worth, like they've got so little that generates that that I say you keep that thing around forever. Because I would say seven times out of ten, no matter how much it's been bastardized, you get that response. And they need those. They need those moments. Mm. Just plan ahead, surely. Because it always feels like... Well, they, they never will. They never will. So you kind of have to take the, the short-term gains instead. Because I don't think they ever will plan ahead. You know, we sit here every year and we look at the six, eight, ten people, whoever it is in the in the matches... And you go, there's an argument to be made, you know, like a, if, if Sami Zayn wins his qualifier that, you know, not now, not not straight away, not in May or, you know, the, in the weeks after that, that he could scheme and plot and get himself in that position or a Sonya Deville could return to action just to get the briefcase and then go back to a role and again, sort of politic away into into setting this up for the perfect scenario. But it always feels like they just go, right, who's up right now? You know, we were sat there going, maybe it could be a, a Liv Morgan winning the wins winning the money in the bank, but no one really bought that because we were like, well, they haven't done out with her recently, so why would they suddenly care? I mean, it's a redundant question. They're not going to stop doing it. If they stop doing money in the bank, it would force them to actually craft stories and place obstacles in front of baby faces or heels or whatever, and it would force them to craft and pen meaningful character arcs building towards the climax of a title switch or a challenge. It's just not going to happen. They enjoy it. It gives them a ladder match. They love ladder matches. <laughs> it allows them to very easily just do things whenever they want. It's the perfect Vince McMahon thing. It puts his wrestlers through the meat grinder. It allows him to make an impulsive panic decision. It's an easy... Well, theoretically, it didn't work, unfortunately, um, for Big E in terms of getting a rating, but usually it's a nice little needle mover. It's a panic button, and Vince McMahon likes to press them. It enables his laziness. I hate it. I hate Money in the Bank. You can have a multi-man ladder match and all of the thrills and spills and dramatic permutations that come with it just for the build. You could have a new pay-per-view titled Build in the Bank. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just every year to test the credentials of whomever... Whomever, oh God, I'm doing it as well, holds the title, right? Every year, what you've got to do is defend it in an absolutely super violent, dangerous match against seven other people. Sorry, it's probably not fair, but at the same time, if you're any kind of champion, you'd win this match. But that would stop them from being able to hit that panic button. When they do the teasers every week, mercifully, Big E didn't do it that much, but that gives them a bit of intrigue. It gives Adam Wilborn a bullet point. Mm-hmm. Can we put it in a specific vessel, the belt, so the whole paper can be called Bailed in the Egg? Bailed in the Egg. Hang an egg. Hang an egg from the ceiling. Hang an egg. And if What's Jim inside w- the egg? Is it balloons? It's no, it's the title. <laughs> <laughs> and if Jim Ross was still on call, going, for a Look, they're not going to scrap it. I'd love them to scrap it. If a baby face, it's bad enough when a heel does it. It's so rude. It's like, it's not, you're not cheating. You are, but it's not good cheating. It's easiest cheating. Um, you have got some kind of Machiavellian master plan like FTR to win the AEW tag team titles or whatever. Um, babyface. All a babyface has to do. Yep, 
cool, won the match. I'm not a dickhead. I'll fight anyone, and I'm a just man. I will see you at this pay-per-view. It's just not going to bloody eyes. It's just a lazy man. It takes a great, like Punk was amazing. Remember when he was like still technically a babyface turning on Jeff Hardy? Yeah. You see it in his eyes. It was like, I know I'm being a bastard, but I'm having my belt. Yeah. It takes a real like artist at this to pull that off. It's mm. very, very difficult to get that right. Absolutely. Um, look, Money in the Bank has been in part of WWE for longer. That How long has the pay-per-view been a thing? 2010? 2010, I think, yeah. That's 11 years. That's lasted longer than Bret Hart's singles run company, Shawn Michaels' first singles run, Austin Rocks put together. It's not going away. To end on a positive note, though, brilliant to see Big E as WWE champion. Uh, you know, exciting times ahead, and we might actually, for once, be slightly looking forward to Raw next week. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Big E WWE champion, yeah. I, I, to sort of go back to what I said at the very start of this podcast, I want that feeling to last as long as possible. I don't want him, and it's going to happen sooner rather than later, but I don't want him to be undermined by the game show host thing that they make all their champions and their top guys do. I want to feel how it felt when he won the briefcase, when he won the belt, for as long as possible. And the fact that they have a pay-per-view so soon should allow for that. Like, it's not going to be, he's won the belt and now we've got a kind of exhausting four to six week wait for a big title match. Like, we're right there for Bobby Lashley to get his rematch. There's, what, like two weeks? Is it before, like, the pay-per-view? Michael Hamlet there. Next, next Sunday. Leaving the scary email unread. That's what you're doing. (laughs) I'll I'll keep it unread so I don't forget about it. That's it. It's 4.59 on a Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you're doing. I'll pay it for you because they've got a week to not ruin it. Um, I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing Big E given the worst material. He is going to get it at some point. Everybody except Roman Reigns does. Um, He might be able to transcend it. That's the best. It's your only hope. I'll take it. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Big E as WWE champion and what the future holds for him and Money in the Bank just generally. Uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.